Welcome to Bootleg Avocado, bringing you stories in the food startup world. So with this episode, we're going to be jumping into the food tech world one more time, but more specifically, the restaurant world. So wow. Anthony, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. So Anthony, this is our this is our world. So we come from the restaurant world, fine dining world. This is kind of where we we uh, we cut our teeth, if you will. That's right. Um, but we're actually begin talking about more on the tech end versus the, the food end. Um, so Anthony, um, tell us a little bit about yourself before we kind of jump in. Well, um, my website speedfeeds.com. Uh, we do restaurant consulting, QSR research and development. And I like to say all things food because we, I'm a chef and we just get involved in everything. Um, shooting our first episode of Speak Feast, which okay. is going to be taking us on a journey of finding people of passion, um, people who are doing things differently in the food world, and that's uh, chefs, um, uh, entrepreneurs, um, artists. Um, our first uh, episode is with uh, Wynn Noble, mm-hmm. Wynn Noble Plateware. Mm-hmm. Um, she's an amazing artist. And Dumbo, she does uh, plateware for uh, David Chang and, and just a long list of Michelin star restaurants. Um, so we got to spend some time with her, and I plated a dish uh, on one of her plates. Um, she's an incredible person. I mean, she signs every one of her plates. Mm-hmm. So we're really excited. So look out for that on uh, IGTV and YouTube. Great. And like I said, we're going to be jumping into the food tech world, um, more specifically with Ingest AI. We have Ken Kuo of Ingest AI here. Um, Ken, how are you doing today? Good. Things are, things are good. Yeah. Um, I know you were a little bit running around today. Um, you just came back from Roberto's, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you just pick up some pies for us? Is that, is that why you went there? Or? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The pies are right there. Uh, help yourself. Uh, I actually just recorded um, uh, uh, for Tech Bytes mm-hmm. um, for Heritage Radio. Nice, uh, nice. And then um, was was basically pitched Roberta's on air. Yeah, he's interested. And, uh, we're setting up meetings now. So nice. So give, give us your thirty second like pitch on Ingest AI. Sure. Yeah. So um, Ingest is uh, basically. It, it's artificial intelligence for restaurants. Mm-hmm. And what that means is the average restaurant uses over eight different types of third-party systems. Think point of sale, inventory management, vendor management, HR, bill pay. It, it's it's awful. Mm-hmm. And because all of these systems are fractured, the data is fractured. And because there's so much data fracture, restaurants are unable to make proper decisions. Mm-hmm. So there's results in a ton of leakage, both in terms of food waste, labor waste, just in operational bloat. Mm-hmm. What Ingest does is we seamlessly integrate with any and all of these third-party systems. Mm-hmm. We don't want to replace entity systems. Yeah. We're the connected tissue. Right. And once we've created the central data repository, restaurants are then able to access the dashboard, and mm-hmm. then we are able to automate a lot of manual tasks for them. So, for example... Um, our demand forecasting algorithms can predict with high amounts of accuracy what's going to be happening in a restaurant mm-hmm. at any given time. Mm-hmm. And that's because we have this you know, centralized data repository and we literally know everything that's ever happened in that restaurant. Right. And so because we know that, we can forecast out and that means that we can automate things like uh, food ordering mm-hmm. and labor, staffing, mm-hmm. so that we can help reduce food and labor waste. Mm-hmm. Another part of this is once we've consolidated all of the uh, all of the data and the, the disparate third-party systems, a lot of the previously manual work that a restaurant would have to do, so for example, like consolidating delivery revenues into their accounts receivable, like Restaurant 365, that is a ton of man hours. Um, one of our, our customers uh, basically spends uh, there's a single human spends eight hours a day just doing manual data migration from delivery platforms into uh, their accounting software. <laughs> it's, it's, it blows my mind. It's crazy to think about that this doesn't exist. So, Wait, so, hold on. We got to do it. Oh, we got to. Oh, yeah. All right. So if we were to jump in, it's kind of the... Skipping right in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, we're going to do the empathy questions. So these are a bunch of empathy cards that like, it's more like an icebreaker. Uh, whatever questions comes out, out of it, it, it kind of like 
you want to answer it truthfully, but also it's more in your background and your, your psyche and all that stuff. So sure. you can grab one. Cool. All right. So I'll read it out to you. Ooh. Um, how has your past shaped who you are? <laughs> real deep. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I think we've had that before. It's, it's come up before. Has it come up? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Deep one. Uh, I draw again? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it literally says no small talk now. So. Oh, <laughs> That's no small talk. I, I think... Uh, that's a really good question. So I think um, one of the things I, I accurately think about um, within, within startups, and I think it's pretty relevant for us like mm-hmm. the, at this table as well, is like um, being a minority in tech it's like, can I swear on this? Yeah, of yeah, course. Okay, yeah. It's fucking hard, right? Like, yeah. you just, there's just certain things that your network is not able to provide you with, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. you don't look the same. Like, sometimes the language, the kind of language barrier, there's mm-hmm. there's just, and in terms of like code switching, you just don't have all of the kind of tools to be able to, a lot of times, operate in these kinds of spaces, right? It's predominantly white spaces. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, that's something that I think a lot about. And it's as a, a minority entrepreneur, I, uh, I think it's something that I want, uh, I take very seriously and want to kind of give back to the community as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think about all, like I just got super lucky having been in New York mm-hmm. for a long time with NYU. So Years mm-hmm. um, to to be here during kind of the ramp up where all of a sudden New York went from like a finance town to mm-hmm. like a tech town. Yeah, it has. It's changed a lot in that respect. In the wow. sense that, like, you know, not there's obviously Silicon Valley, there's 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 California, but like now seeing the community of the tech company, uh, sorry, of the community, the tech tech community come together here. It's very different, and it's it's great to see that because I think there's a lot more diversity on the East Coast of New York than, absolutely. than anything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I I think back to like all the people who helped me out along the way. Yeah, and like I you know neither Linus nor I like we wouldn't be here right now mm-hmm. if it weren't for all the people that were helping us. Yeah, and um, we're just extremely fortunate, right? Like mm-hmm. we get to do ingest. Like it's an absolute luxury to be able to do this. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. I don't have any, I don't harbor any kind of like uh, visions of grandeur. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, I try to remove as much of my ego from this as possible. Where mm-hmm. like injustice is going to happen with or without us. Like, right. Someone's going to fucking go. Of course. Like, right. It just so happens that we've been lucky enough to actually be the ones to go out and do this. Right. right. And what are the sort of institutions that have helped us or the, the people that have helped us mm-hmm. in the past and be able to set up other people like us to be able to go about it? stuff like yeah like i like what you just pointed out so like the good part like the good part about where the economy is where everything is like there's so much more opportunity out there so like if you look at just social media itself or we talked about it in our last episode as far as coming up with a, a cpg brand is so easy right now and gives so many avenues in which you can go and like we're all living in a very very lucky and fruitful um you know, past couple of years and environment right now that like there are these opportunities. It's like but a lot of people don't really realize it. A lot of people like usually are bitching about their lives or their, their, their corporate job or whatnot. And like, they, they just don't get it. There's so much more opportunity out there. Like absolutely feel how, just like feel how, how grateful, you know, you should be and what's out there more than anything. So, yeah. um, so let's, let's jump into a little bit of your background. So, where, so you went to NYU. What did you study at NYU? Uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't study. Film? Yeah. It's a shame laugh. Because <laughs> I can't really take myself seriously after um, after I tell people. But uh, I, I double majored in, in English and uh, cognitive philosophy, which is, uh, God, it's just, it just sounds pretentious. <laughs> you um, should. It's like a combination of um, of, of neuroscience uh, and philosophy. 
Mm-hmm. So um, trying to answer the question, um, can you instantiate consciousness in machines? Or mm-hmm. sort of the underlying question being, is there such a thing as consciousness? If so, what is it? Do you want that? Uh, I don't know. I've seen Terminator. <laughs> no, no, I know it's a completely different thing. But. Yeah. You know, we don't want Cyberdyne to go live. Yeah. <laughs> Every movie it goes live in a different way. Yeah, it like, scares me. I don't like, want to go in live. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, I'm excited for it, but I would prefer not to have it happen in my lifetime. Let's <laughs> so um, that way. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, Even though you have an AI product. So yeah. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think. Um, uh, I think it's interesting. I think it's a. Uh, um, I think the question is, is worth investigating. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, I mean, we're so far away. Like, we're super far away. From yeah, that, yeah. Being like any kind of reality. So mm-hmm. I just I try to put it out of my mind. <laughs> it's funny because I'm, you know, I was born in 1973, so I grew up like in the 80s. When'd you laugh? <laughs> is that old? No, no, no. no. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It's a good number. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, 73 was a good year. Um, and, you know, I grew up in the 80s, and it was all about, you know, all of these movies. I was like this huge Stanley Kubrick fan. And it's like, so in the back of my head, every time I hear AI or something like that, all these references are coming up in my head, like Terminator, yeah. AI, the movie AI. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what's going on? I, Robot, all these things like, Someone's gonna screw something up today, or try to take it too far. Yeah. And next thing you know, we're gonna be fighting ourselves. Robots. Or robots. Guy. Yeah. It's gonna be fucking crazy. So I totally relate to you. Saying, I hope that doesn't happen in my time. Yeah. Sort of like with the environment as well. Like we yeah, know the yeah. we know shit's gonna go wrong. We know that there's gonna be like all these disaster movies, yeah. but we just don't want it to happen in our time. <laughs> that yeah. being said. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh... I don't have kids or anything, so it's like <laughs> I can I really can pass the buck to the next generation <laughs> without feeling any kind of guilt like it. Sorry guys, I'm, yeah. I'm out. Yeah, you're washing hands <laughs> You might contribute in replacing people in restaurants. Oh. You know, you might contribute. I mean you're kind of connecting well, think, all the dots, all the information. I think to some extent I mean that's you know I mean looking back to the future too, and he walks in the diner, you know, it's like there's no people there. It's just like there's, there's robots and TVs and, and... Well, I think the big part of it is, one, you're going to a company and you're saying, listen, you have someone doing this for eight hours, which is ridiculous. We're going to solve that now. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously going to be some over-redundancy of, 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 of positions. So they're going to have to, like, now, a, you know, ingest is going to take care of that. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to have someone that's going to be watching your ingest, but, I mean, I guess everyone's going to be watching ingest, and now there's, there no, there's no need for that. Yeah, so I think the way that, that we really like to position it is, is most of the people in the restaurants who are doing this kind of like manual consolidation of data, mm-hmm. that they're not actually accessing like uh, the, they their skill level is much higher than sure. to do any of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So sure. sort of the, the 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 old adage of data science is it's eighty percent data wrangling, uh, nine percent right. Um, uh, set up and then like one percent data science, like actual mm-hmm. using your skills. Mm-hmm. For us, I think we want to cut away all of the crap that it takes to wrangle data, mm-hmm. and so that the distribution of their hours is like I get to actually spend forty hours like digging into the data yeah. and using it to help understand my business, right. run that business properly. So it's yeah. it's about the proper allocation of hours by cutting out all of like the crap. Yeah, it's not like uh, you know an intern walks in and you're like, okay, go get all of our yeah. companies yeah. and figure out how much money we're making. Exactly, they have like an operations manager or like a CFO or a bigger, smaller company. So I mean, I'm sure CFOs and CEOs will you know hear this and they're very happy not to take someone whose skill level is just now relegated to them just downloading all of this information and saying, okay, this is how much we made today. Yeah, you know, I mean, it makes sense. It's, it's crazy how like automation is, is very, it's, it's a necessity, but also, like you said, wrangling all that data that automation helps is also, all right, who's going to go through that and comb through it? So you actually need another third party to actually <laughs> comb through all, all your automation, you know, which is, which is crazy. But, and time but consuming. Yeah. I mean, people must, you know, if I had to go through all kinds of revenue streams, because some of my clients have 
eight, nine, 10, 11 revenue streams. And I'll ask a question like, okay, so what one of those revenue streams is catering? Which one is order? Which one's in store? And it's like, okay, we'll get back to you like in three days. Yeah. And it's it's like... It's, it's crazy that you, you don't have real-time instantaneous access to it. You can't manage your business on a delay. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's It's, you know, you need to know what's happening so you can respond or pivot, right. you know, in any way. So. Yeah, yeah. I think that's key. So let's let's go back to your, your background. So uh, you're a philosophy major. <laughs> um, you're a really smart guy. No. Smart. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Thoughtful. Uh, smoked some weed in, in, in college. <laughs> uh, I went to NYU. NYU, yeah. Why Washington Square Park. Not NYU. So what kind of, you know, what was your first job out of college and how 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 did you get to where you're at now? And also, the other thing is, also, we want to talk a little bit about Linus, because Linus is kind of the, the glue of all this as well. Yeah, so, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm the, the charlatan that just talks a bunch of Linus, is, and, and basically make all these promises, and Linus is actually the one that has to do everything and make it work. Uh-huh. Um, uh, no, I mean, without Linus, like, I don't know what the fuck that is. And he's your co-founder, correct? He's my co-founder, cool. my CTO, like... He's the one that actually like makes all the shit happen. Like mm-hmm. I, I, there's no world in which like ingest exists without him. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he's a god. He's yeah. So good. Yeah. So make sure he hears this. Play that one. Play that one little clip for him, and he can just like play that with people. Yeah. Like his resume. Yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. yeah. He, <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. He's incredible. Um, we actually went to NYU together, so mm-hmm. we met at NYU. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah, Linus is crazy. He triple majored in college, so he did. Uh, wow. <laughs> he did math, computer science, and pre med. Mm-hmm. So it's like just in case he has a fallback pre med. Yeah. everything covered. Yeah. yeah. Just, just yeah. It's like he's super, he's like the super Asian. <laughs> every every single basis. He's the Asian boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Nice. Nice. Um, uh, so, so out of college, um, so I went to go, um, uh, so I, I, I be in Boston, like straight out of college. Yeah. Um, um, just, yeah, uh, building out, uh, different product lines for Watson. So mm-hmm. I was responsible for, uh, thing called personality insights, mm-hmm. um, other product called Trail Analytics, and then um, did you work here in New York or yeah, okay. yeah, so 51 Astor Place, okay. uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the big black, uh, the cube, yeah, yeah, the cube, yeah, the cube, yeah. With, the, with the 50 million dollar just Coons yeah, statue, yeah, yeah, I should, uh, uh it, yeah, it was, uh, it was a weird, lots of a weird place, <laughs> is that, is that, yeah, it's a weird place, uh. uh I don't want to like you know bad mouth it or anything, but like yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not there. Uh-huh. Well, the good thing about it is you know you take the experience. You you know I used to have a boss that's like do it my way, but take all these experiences and you can do it your way when you're the boss. Yeah. And, you know it's it's key. You know we're all gonna come up somewhere somehow, and we're all gonna be involved in some bureaucracy, politics, whatever it may be, and it's gonna it's gonna give us the soul of what we're gonna become. So it's key. And everyone comes in here, a lot of our guests have talked about what they did prior to them. That's always interesting. Yeah. You including your background. Yeah. And they're just like, well, you know, we did, you know, I worked at a particular company or I did this and I hated it. I yeah. didn't want to be there anymore. And you know, I mean are you happier? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah. So, that's, that's so, so you leave Watson, and then uh, where, where do you go? Did you do you know Linus already, or you have, yeah? Okay. So I was. Um, oh, excuse me. I left Watson probably about like a year ago. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, well a year and a half ago. So. Uh-huh. How long were you there? Four years. Mm-hmm. It's almost twenty-six, basically. Twenty, yeah. like late twenty-five, early twenty-six. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then Linus and I started working on Ingest. Mm-hmm. So we had actually been doing some, uh, so Linus, uh, was formerly at Handy. Okay. Um, uh, so the, it did DevOps at Handy, uh, and then 
uh, we've been working on side projects together for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, five, six years, uh, we previously started a company called Curate, which mm -hmm. was like, if you've ever seen the movie uh, uh, Clueless, <laughs> yeah, the closet that like dresses. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. So we built that as a mobile app and then, and, you know, shut it down because basically we were the wrong people to build it. Yeah. It was the wrong people. We've made a, a ton of mistakes. Yeah. Right? yeah. And uh, actually when Amazon Echo came out, um, uh, a bunch of people hit me up and was like, hey, Amazon just stole your idea. I was like, yeah, I mean, they just made like the version that we could make. <laughs> what, what do they call it? Uh, I think it's called the uh, Amazon Echo or something. It, it basically like is a camera that it, it like takes a picture of like, your outfit or whatever and like optimizes your outfit for you. Oh, gotcha, Which, like, gotcha. Exactly what we did. Yeah. But we were not the right team to build it. Like no fashion industry expertise, like mm -hmm. wrong medium. Like it's like didn't have any kind of like uh, image processing or like mm -hmm. AR, VR experience. Yeah. Just, like you're the wrong people. To do. Yeah, yeah. But you realize that how, like how far into it do you realize that? Or were you just like, ah, we're at we're over our heads, let's just tank this. So we we built the app and had launched it, um, raised money on Kickstarter. Okay. Um, you went through the process. Yeah, yeah, I got funded and, and built the product and then um, I think after the product went live for about like three months or so, we weren't seeing like the good kind of any kind of like good traction. Mm -hmm. We just like you know, sat down and like, hey, I don't think this is working, like let's not waste any more of our time. Yeah. Like, Let's like actually find the next thing that we want to do, um, and that was Ingest. Yeah, how did how did you guys come up with that idea with Ingest? Uh, yeah, that's actually all Linus. Um, so yeah. uh, I've been in, in the hospitality basically my entire life, like growing up, busboy, waiter, uh -huh. so around restaurants, and then Linus during college worked at Luke's Lobster Roll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so he did everything. Basically, and was basically running their East Village store. Okay. Um, and uh, he and Luke were just chatting one day, and uh -huh. basically, you know, this is like as we were shutting down Curate, um, he was just like, Yeah, like, how do you, what are your KPIs? Like, how do you measure success and stuff? And yeah. I was like, Yeah, just check the bank. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, a lot of people do that. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, we still got money? Like, yep, let's keep going. Yeah. <laughs> got money i can do it yeah <laughs> and yeah exactly but we, we were just like because at that point luke had geez, I don't know. they've expanded yeah really, a yeah, ton. yeah but even back then they had i think they had like they were in double digits already so i think yeah. they were already at like 12 or 15 or however many yeah. now they're like clo closing enough yeah because the owner's dad owns a lobster bed or a bunch of the yeah, that's how they, their supply main. chain goes just yeah, like literally exactly. Flush down lobsters in New York every yeah. day, and, and that's the key. Yeah. And, and also supply lobsters for people too. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're totally vertically integrated. It's crazy. Fuck. It's crazy. Um, but uh, we're just surprised that like it's such a sophisticated business. Like they they literally own all of their means of production and yeah. transportation and everything, but they still didn't have any data visibility to be right. able to check the health of their business, and so. Then we started talking to a bunch of different people, like, hey, validating in this space, um, like, hey, do you think this is useful? How do you go about doing this? And then um, we started to build a product that we thought was going to fit this market need. And just uh, that's kind of when we applied to Foodex. Mm -hmm. um, we had a, a prototype, um, some early, like, super early, like, pilot traction. Yeah. And then Foodex just, to the cool. So, all right. So, let's take a quick break. We're going to talk about your, um, you know, your experience in the cohort, and then we'll be right back. Just go through that. Cool. Welcome back to Bootleg Avocado. Today, we're talking with. CEO and co-founder Ken Kuo and ingest.ai. Um, Ken, let's let's jump into your um, you know your experience with FoodX and you know 
how you went from, you know, you know, concept to now like being part of this accelerator and what's kind of been your trajectory after this? Yeah. Um, I mean, the joke is that I just, I'm just using food X as an extended sneaker closet. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really what, <laughs> what the space is for. Um, uh, um, to just kind of go back on a, on a tangent. Like I, I grew up like slinging shoes. Yeah. Wait, what way? Like you, you, you bought them, you sold them, you yeah, yeah, bought was, and sold them. Yeah, it was like one of like the OG resellers. Like I had, I, I made. That's was, a huge business. That's yeah, like, yeah, yeah it's not. Like, it's a lot of people do, but but like people make money off that. It's, oh, you make a lot of money. Yeah, I've been through college that way. There's, 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 there's an economy based on it. There's been TED talks about this. Yeah. yeah so, so would you like Jordans and stuff? Yeah, Jordans. Uh, I mean, back so. You got I, anything I, uh, good now? Yeah, you're selling these things. You take credit cards? Sneaker bots? Yeah, I mean, I um, uh, I built one of the world's first like sneaker bots that would just go and snipe sneakers. Yeah. And like buying and reselling. Um, I got a, a pretty good collection. I think it's like probably closing in like 300 probably a little more than 300 pairs now okay wow um yeah i got some like i think i got some pretty cool stuff like uh yeah. sneaker <laughs> games Where strong. Do you, how do you store it all yeah they're just in my apartment i have a friend who basically has a, a big collection with you who yeah. sells jordans and just when he opens up a room and to see all these jordans it's like it's really impressive yeah, it's a little disconcerting. Though. Oh, it's like it's like a, it's a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it takes stock. It's like, damn, this is like a. This is I have yeah, I have insurance on my apartment, like right because it's like pretty valuable. So like yeah, of course, it's like if I get robbed, like I'm actually kind of hoping that I get robbed because the insurance is gonna pick me out. And I can just like clean my yeah, hands of it. It's just like not have to deal with it anymore. <laughs> it's like a one-time cash out. That's awesome. <laughs> Leave your door unlocked. Yeah, exactly. Like sneakerheads. Yeah. <laughs> Leave a trail of sneakers from outside. Yeah. To inside. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, yeah. So the the Felix cohort. Um, uh, it was. It was. I mean, it was pretty incredible. I think um, for us, it's been. Um, just a really uh, amazing experience. Um, FoodX has been the single greatest contributor to our success, mm -hmm. I think. Um, with the doors that they've opened for us and the way that they've helped us structure the business, mm -hmm. just avoiding pitfalls and just like, you know, having never set up an LLC or sorry, a C Corp before, and just a lot of the blocking and tackling stuff. Yeah. Like, we had our heads up our asses, right? right. Like we would just got fucked constantly right. if we tried to do this without their help. Mm -hmm. um, and just having that like guidance along the way was super important. And um, uh, <laughs> so one of our customers is Union Square Hospitality Group. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Peter Bodenheimer uh, at FoodX the program director, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, talked to um, uh, Maureen Cushing, who's the VP of Tech for yeah um, for USHG, yeah. like very briefly, and then got her somehow hounded her into responding to us, uh -huh. and like that has been an incredibly fruitful partnership, right? Wow. Relationship, and, yeah. Like, I, like we owe so much to these guys. Like, mm -hmm. they, they've really been a huge game changer. That's great, yeah. And so you're right now. You're kind of networking through um, restaurants, QSR. You're jumping into all those worlds, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, full cool. service, uh, quick service. Basically, our only criteria is that um, you have to pay us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have money. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. We were doing a lot of stuff for free, but we're not doing stuff for free anymore. So <laughs> yeah. If, if any of our customers are listening. Um, Please pay us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm begging you. Please pay us. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, uh, but no, uh, really, the, our only criteria is that the restaurant has five or more locations. Uh -huh. So, so basically, you know, as restaurants start to acquire locations, you know, basically around like the 
four or five location mark mm. is when you really start having to have a built out kind of, you know, like a CFO and operations team, you mm-hmm. know, a business team. And that's when you're trying to actually scale the business yeah. uh, in a tangible way. And that's where we add the most value um, yeah. for a mom and pop or two, uh, like a, you know, like a two chain or three chain. So you, you can do small, small yeah. business and large business, like Unisquare Hospitality, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. exactly. Got um, it. We, we just feel like we add the most value when there's already this level of, um, uh, of rigor around how they want to be shaping. Okay. Do you feel that it's better if you are a little bit smaller initially and in, in say like, don't buy into these systems? Like, is, is there like a, a sweet spot in which like, this is the type of client we really like just because it's not so convoluted and complicated yeah. versus, yeah. Um, so what we, we had our clientele kind of ranges, uh, it was a pretty large gamut all the way from like five to, uh, 30 plus. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think at no point does the mess, the mess is never contained. Yeah. So, like, uh, it's just going to get messier. It's, it's only going to get messier. Okay. Um, but the messiness of five locations is very similar to the messiness of 30 locations. Right, right. It's all relative, I guess. Yeah. Um, like, if, if, uh, so I'd say, I guess to answer your question, we don't really have like a, a preference. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's mostly just, yeah, I guess we, we don't have a preference. Okay. How do you, so how do you get over the hurdle of, and, and, and the reason I see this, you know, I see this a lot with our, with customers that I deal with is technology. And there are people that are savvy. But they are inundated with so many people. I mean, the new thing is like, we'll give you a tablet, and then you'll have, and then then they have ten tablets on their on their counter. Um, they have to pay one hundred and fifty dollars for the stand. You know, just all this stuff, and they're just sort of tired of just hearing all that. And I guess for you, it's like your first sentence is, "We're going to take everything and make it one, so that you can read it together." But do you find that there are a lot of hurdles with technology, just because? I think there's still part of a generation uh, in the food business that still, believe it or not, and I'm sure you've encountered this, just like not ready for technology. I mean, it's almost crazy because you can have some old, uh, you know, family that tiny family that owns like ten restaurants, and they still don't know how to do, uh, you know, data management. They're probably still working calculators. Exactly. Exactly. Those guys, you know, I think for our purposes, we have a pretty self-selecting set of customers where, um, you know, all of our customers are familiar, are digitally enabled and are familiar with, you know, technology and have a level of comfort with it. I think that's the most important thing for us. And we won't sort of spin our wheels going after these kinds of like Italian, you know, chains or like any, any chain. Yeah. Any kind of chains that just aren't, um, digitally enabled. Now to, to talk a little bit on the um, sort of tech fatigue, I think there's a ton of that in the industry um, where every random delivery company is like, try this, try this, try this. We're going to raise your revenue by this much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we come in, you're absolutely right. We come in, we position ourselves as, look, we, we don't want to change the workflow. Like we are, we've been in the restaurant business. Like there's at no point do we want to change how you run your business on a day-to-day, like you want to mess with your servers, your cooks, your back house front, we don't mess with any of that shit. Mm-hmm. The only thing we want to do is make your like manual lives easier. And I think that's really refreshing for a lot of people. And it, I think it really invigorates the conversation. And we, um, I don't know, one, of, one of the things that I, I think I have, I have a sneaking suspicion about is a lot of restaurant tech is built by non-restaurant people. Mm-hmm. which is why it's so broken. Um, and you can kind of tell when uh, companies charge like these huge one-time installation fees. Mm-hmm. It's like, 
what restaurant has 10 grand in cash? It's like working capital. Like, right. And then you never see the person again. You never yeah. see them. You never found, you, they go into like this nether world and you're just like, where's Larry? Yeah. Who ate with us and hung out with us and now they'll never yeah. reach, you can't find them. And it's not even customized out. either. It's like they built the product and they just slinging it at the same product out there. It's not like it's really built for you. I mean, yeah. it'll take And they're really something. trying to sell, you know, you're just trying to sell that installation fee, get you in, and that's it. And I think also a lot of the bigger companies like U.S. Foods and Cisco are using or developing their own sort of platforms, but they really only work, again, with Cisco products or U.S. Foods products. So it's like you get you get tied into something, and uh, it's not doesn't have the freedom that Ingest has. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So um, right now, like you said, you're working with smaller, smaller uh, restaurants or QSR, and you're working with larger ones as well. What? How do you see? You know, in just a, do you see it morphing or adapting into anything else, or is it like right now you have your MVP, you're selling it, and everything else? Are these clients asking for anything else? Yeah, the way that we treat to kind of go back to your point about customization. Yeah, I think we treat the our customers pretty seriously. Mm -hmm. So um, we're at a stage of development right now where uh, the, the way that uh, I want to say, I say we, but it's actually Linus. So mm -hmm. from now on, every time I say we, it's Linus. It's Linus. It's yeah, not yeah. Me. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I don't do yeah. um, uh, So the way that Linus has set up the tech stack is really scalable. Mm -hmm. in a way that as soon as we build one solution for one customer, we yeah. can then roll that out to everybody else. Right, right. Like with a snap of a finger, instantaneously. Mm -hmm. That kind of scalable uh, product module uh, really allows us to evolve really quickly. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, we're doing this aggregator for one of our customers, and then another customer really wanted it. We just turn it on. Yeah. Like no extra cost. It just runs for them now. Um, so a lot of the problems that the restaurant industry faces, they're all similar problems. And once we've figured out how to solve one version of that problem, it's, mm -hmm. it's then just solved and everyone else can have access to that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, um, um, the evolution is, is going to be gradual. Um, and it, it will be a changing product. Uh, the backbone is, is always going to be Right. That is the product. Yeah. How it's manifested, I think, is going to be different for everybody. Um, but uh, the capabilities um, to to have these like product modules, um, I think, is super customizable by mm -hmm. by restaurant. Okay. Cool. Um, so let's take a quick break now. Uh, we're going to walk into or talk a little bit more about you know where Ingest is heading. Um, and then, you know, jump into some following remarks and everything else. We'll be right back. Sounds good. Welcome back to Bootleg Avocado. We're talking food tech, restaurants, and in just AI. So, Anthony, let's uh, let's jump into a little bit more detail on you know the restaurant world and where, where we come from. So, what's kind of the you know our experience? What are the things that we have to kind of go through? You know, obviously we're cooking, doing menu development, and all that stuff. But there, we always had some involvement on the inventory side, spreadsheets, ordering, sure. and all that stuff. So, sure. take us through that. I think I think um, you know. For successful restaurants or QSRs, it's really about having the air traffic control that kind of leads you through your business. So, you know, with people that I'm working with, the first question I ask them is, uh, what's their food cost? What's their labor cost? What's their paper cost? How much are they spending uh, on a particular dish? You know, whatever whatever the 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 um, equation might be, and most of the time. Often they don't know, and I think it's because it's so difficult to get that information. Usually, I'll have to maybe just kind of. There was one client I went down, and I just basically took all of their invoices, all of their receipts, all of his restaurant depot receipts, all of his. I mean, it was just like it was like I felt like it was crazy, and I had one of those like calculators that went, you know, like that, like the tape and everything, and I was just like. 
you know, if I was a business, you know, you know, when I was running uh, large restaurant catering companies for company, yeah, for large companies, um, I was able to literally, when we opened, we had a food cost in the fifties. I brought us down to in the thirties, twenties, in two months, just by basically living in front of the computer. One day, I brought my son to work, and he was like, "Daddy, I thought you were a chef." Because I was in front of the computer so much. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I'm an accountant. <laughs> but a big part of it is chefs don't understand or don't see that, hey, that's a major part. Everything you spend, every dollar you spend, everything that's coming in has to be tracked and has to be uh, gathered real time. Um, and I think that is a – I can't stress that enough to people um, and owners um, – I'm sure you agree with that. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think that's a major problem. Um, and I would love to be able to, and I'm sure that you can access all this information on your phone. So it's like, I'm at home. I can see exactly what's being spent. I mean, I think there are a lot of people that are, like you said, there's the, the, the marketplace is crowded, um, but it's not precise. There's always something that gets left out. Yeah. Um, maybe you can elaborate on that. Yeah, totally. So, so one of the one of the really cool case studies that we have is um, so we saved the restaurant fifty thousand um, dollars just within a couple of months of working with them mm-hmm. because uh, sorry, in the first year of working with them, we we uncovered like fifty thousand dollars of savings. Yeah. Basically, what's happening was this restaurant had uh, a really elaborate uh, carrot dish. Um, it was carrot cut into these ridiculous. It's like stars, and I don't even know. Mm-hmm. It's like eight, 18 different ways of cutting carrots. Like <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Interns. Exactly. <laughs> turning turning yeah. carrots. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, um, getting nice and this. I know. <laughs> um, and so what was happening was the way that they were looking at their costs was, was food cost, mm-hmm. right? So that dish was really cheap. In terms of food costs, carrots are because it's fucking carrots, right? Exactly. Um, and so it was hiding in their P and L because when they thought about cost per dish, they mm-hmm. were only thinking about it in terms of food costs. Mm-hmm. But true cost per dish, I think, is a, is a metric that a lot of restaurants can't get to but need to get to, mm-hmm. which includes not just food costs but labor. Labor is huge. Yeah. It's also rent and electricity and everything amortized over time divided by all of your sales. Right. Yeah. Like I, I don't think that a lot of people really think about that when they think about like this dish costs eight dollars to make mm-hmm. um in terms of ingredients or selling for forty. It's like no 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 this the, the food costs is eight dollars right but all of this other stuff makes it actually like a thirty dollar dish right mm-hmm. so your margin is ten dollars yeah not you know $32. Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, they ended up having to, the, the, they were hemorrhaging money on this single item because they had to hire a, 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 a separate single prep cook just to have a carrot station so that they could do this for service. I think the dish wasn't even selling, right? So, like, they the way that they viewed it was, oh, yeah, this is like a kind of a, Something on our menu, kind of throw away on our menu, but like at least it's making money. But they they weren't making money because they weren't evaluating the right metrics. Uh-huh. It's funny because um, Gordon Ramsay always says on his Kitchen Nightmare show when when people are not equating something correctly, he's like, "It's better to fucking give them five dollars and tell them to leave rather than have them come and buy the dish <laughs> yeah. because it's now caught. You're giving away money every time they buy that dish, yeah. so you might as well just give them the five dollars and tell them to fucking leave." <laughs> And you're absolutely right. I think people don't think about how much, you know, how efficient is it to prep this dish? Mm-hmm. And labor is a really important thing. I mean, you know, a lot of times you'll have a restaurateurs cut the labor to try to save some money, but now you're going to have more food costs because now you have someone maybe doing things incorrectly and you have to throw things away and there's not enough food and just they affect each other so um, so much that you, you know you need to be tracking them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a good you know that's a good story. So where are you guys right now as a company? Um, you know, are you guys raising money? Um, what's what's kind of your your day to day? I guess. Yeah. So we we are raising money right mm-hmm. now. So the, the Foodex cohort ended. And we graduated. 
graduated, uh, and right now we're I'm I'm sort of splitting my time, obviously, with customers and then also raising. Yeah. Um, a target is a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple cap table for us. Um, we're looking probably for a, nothing crazy, five million pretty, so you know, a million on on six basically. Yeah. Post money. Um, and yeah, fundraising is a slog. We just, uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. Have uh-huh. you gotten some, some traction? Like who are kind of are your target, like, you know, uh, investors that you're looking for? Yeah. So, um, uh, we, we've, we've had a lot of discussions and I think, mm-hmm. uh, one of the, one of the, one of our potential investors, uh, has really helped us think about it the right way, I think. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, we were kind of tar- we didn't really have a ton of focus mm-hmm. other than like we need money, we need money. Exactly. Which is like everyone's first reaction, like, yeah. oh shit, I we need to raise X amount, like let's ask everyone yeah. and not know that the proper method of doing it, or if you're at a lot of different or if you're out of MVP yet or what. So good. Yeah. Um, and and, and uh, he was was really influential in helping us shape, like saying, you know, you raise a million dollars, but really everyone on your cap table needs to either help you sell or scale. Mm-hmm. So the partners that we're looking for are um, uh, smaller venture funds who are really focused on like early, early seed stage growth. Like mm-hmm. um, either, I mean, we, we have revenues, so we're, but it's super small, right? right? So you can think of us effectively as effectively think of us as pre-revenue. Right? Yeah, yeah, of course. So um, to 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 have funds that have sort of the operational experience of taking um, their portfolio companies from this sort of like low revenue and growing them into like high revenue businesses. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's in terms of scale. That's that's the first thing because. There's going to be a bunch of mistakes that we're going to make, and having them help us avoid as many of those mistakes as possible is going to be really important. Um, and the second is to have deep industry expertise and uh, connections. Mm-hmm. So to help the restaurant industry, as you guys know, is super relationship based, right? Yeah, absolutely. And to be able to get into these places, uh, the friendly relationships mean a lot. Mm-hmm. And so we're we're actually uh, our round is is a million, mm-hmm. um, but seven fifty of it is going to be taken up by a traditional funds mm-hmm. um we actually also have a uh, room for 10 angels at mm-hmm. 25 a pop okay um, and those angels uh are ideally those with the connections within the industry yeah exactly yeah you have twenty five thousand. i'm thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can i, I can sweeten the deal with some sneakers too. <laughs> there you yeah, go right. <laughs> sneaker connection how many sneakers do you got there yeah he's a, he's a, he's a He's got some sneakers in his, in his collection. Yeah, yeah, I do. I got some sneakers. Yeah. 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 That's code word. Yeah. <laughs> code word for involvement. Yeah. Cool. So that's kind of where you're at and everything else. Yeah. Cool. And then, you know, traction-wise, do you see things getting busier in the fall? I know a lot of people are, like, away in summer and all that stuff. So Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, we're, we're getting uh, – We've been getting a lot of inbound. We've actually had to start saying no to some people. Okay. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, it just, we don't want to like, overpromise and then underdeliver. Right? Yeah, yeah. We want to just be really realistic and say, like, hey, you know, realistically, our timelines are, are going to have to be pushed out because we, there's a lot of demand right now. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's good. I'm, I'm looking forward to Linus doing more work. Make <laughs> <laughs> sure Linus is too. <laughs> <laughs> and so are you basically um, so Linus does a lot of the technology um, and you're out there front just kind of meeting with people and just trying to get interest and developing relationships that's yeah. basically how you guys have broken down your partnership yeah exactly it's you know split of the CEO and he's the CTO um, obviously you know a lot of the data science stuff is, is me as well um, but absolutely Linus is are you guys the only two employees now? Do you have any other employees? Yeah, so we are with the with two founders. Um, a couple of our buddies from college, uh, you know, help us out part time. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, we're, we're the only two like, full time on it. Wow. Cool, nice. Well, everything sounds like things are moving, which is good. 
Um, we're excited like, to definitely listen, you know, down the road where you guys are at. Obviously, Anthony, you're going to, I think you guys talk yeah, about. Yeah, we should definitely connect and, mm-hmm. and talk, Anthony, yeah, because I think it's a val- valuable tool, valuable mm-hmm. tool. I mean, I think, I think a big part of it is just getting people in the right frame of mind. As you said, everything's so crowded. Mm-hmm. And also, are they worthy partner for this? You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to, you don't want to waste your time with someone that's not going to utilize the system that's correctly. That's right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because they're inundated with so many different systems that they just, they're fatigued. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, just closing remarks, just give us um, a quick, you know, how can people contact you? Um, website, email, the whole thing. And you know, your, your last word. Give us your spiel. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, my name is Kenneth Quo, uh, last name K-U-O. Uh, you can reach me uh, at Kenneth at ingest, I-N-G-E-S-T dot A-I. Um, sorry. I, yeah, your website. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then it's... <laughs> you really don't want to give out your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I don't really want to give out your I'm too busy. Uh, <laughs> um, the, the website is, is just ingest dot A-I. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Uh, great. So if you're uh, a restaurant QSR, um, you know, or someone's just curious about, you know, this sort of, sort of, sort of technology or form of technology, sorry, um, please reach out to Ken uh, and Linus as well. Um, so Anthony, your remarks. Um, it's been, it, it's great talking to you, Ken. I think this is going to be obviously continued, wish you continued success. Yep. And um, I do want to say that it's great to see the, the humility you have with your partner, Linus, and you guys just kind of getting that done, just being real uh, genuine about it. Um, I, it's, it's refreshing to see people that approach things from a, from a, a real perspective. And, you know, it's, it's a hard business. But you gotta have the right frame of mind, and, and, the, and the right co-founder, and, and the that's, right co-founder. That's the other thing. Guys, so like, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's it's you're you, you really, I think you really got something here. So I wish you the best of, of luck and best of success, and hopefully you'll uh, hook us up some sneakers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Appreciate you want to talk about? Speakers? Yeah. So um, my website is speakfeast.com. Um, I'm Chef Anthony Nichols. We have. Um, my show Speak Feast, which we're shooting for IGTV and YouTube, our first episode with Lynn Noble should be coming out shortly. Um, check us out. Cool. And this is Mario from Bootleg Avocado. Uh, if you're a startup company in the food world looking to get a little bit more advice and guidance on the operations of the culinary side, please reach out to me at uh, bootlegavocado.com or mario at bootlegavocado.com. We'll be back with a different episode uh, next week. Uh, we're going to try to figure out what that is, actually. There's a couple of things, people we want to talk to. Who's next? Uh, I mean, we could go back and talk to Terry. I mean, Terry's a great contact. Yeah, She's got a new cookbook coming, uh, I think, coming out in September, I believe. Um, so That'd that be might great. be it. Yeah. Um, please uh, follow us. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, and a couple other um the uh, podcast podcast places as well. Um, again, thanks for joining us. This is Mario Rodriguez um, and Anthony Nichols. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you guys very soon. Bye. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.